This time I'd like to welcome uh, a friend uh, who I've known for about 14 years. His name is Gary Cron. He, is, uh, he has been a part of our church for a little bit over a year now. And he and his wife, Barb, um, I first met them 14 years ago between, before, uh, after I had left my previous church and while I was, um, before I came here. In a season of landscaping and grief and kind of trying to figure out, God, where am I supposed to land next? Gary served on a pastoral team at Worldview Community Church. That's where I first got to, I think, meet him. I've kind of known of him in a few other circles. He has had a passion for Love, Inc., Cuyahoga County, and, um, and now he is, uh, he's a dear brother who is a part of our growth group that meets twice a month on Sundays after worship here at the church. And so it has been a joy and a privilege to reacquaint him with him. And uh, he's going to be teaching a class this fall. And Pastor Jeff wanted to uh, invite him to, uh, to share God's word as a, as a retired pastor. But not we never retired, do we, Gary? So would you welcome Gary Cron as he brings God's word this morning? I thought I was retired. Oh my. Oh, it's good to see every morning, everybody this morning. Good morning. I haven't been up to this vantage point before. Let me see. Okay, this is nice and steady. That's good. Um, you're going to get a break this morning from the series on hot topics. But didn't Pastor Jeff do a great job last week? Yeah. With sex and gender. I just thought that was outstanding. If you didn't catch it, you need to listen to the video um, because it was just great. Did a wonderful job. I've known Pastor Jeff for even longer, about 20 years. He and I were on the board of Love, Inc. for Cuyahoga County when it first was formed. And I was a pastor then at Worldview, as uh, Rich mentioned. And then we were working together on the board, and uh, I've known him since then. Uh, off and on, we've connected. He helped me out with uh, a thesis I was writing, which was great. He's a good pastor and a good friend. Amen? Yeah, he is. He is. Would you please stand as we read the word together? Um, I like the fact that we do that here, that we honor the word of God. This is the main passage for this morning, although I won't be getting to it uh, for later. But um, in uh, John chapter 15, starting in the first verse, and this is out of the ESV um, translation, English Standard Version. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. God's always at work in us. That it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, and here's the key, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like branches 
like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You may be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I grew up in uh, Willoughby Hills and went to Willoughby Hills Methodist Church. It was a very healthy church. Um, many of the men had found the Lord around that time, including my father. Uh, and um, the youth group was very healthy and was growing, and my wife Barb was in the youth group along with us. We were high school sweethearts. <laughs> we still are. <laughs> and it was just a wonderful time to find God and get going in my Christian life. And by my senior year, I was uh, kind of leading the youth group, and uh, it was just a, a beautiful time at summer camp. A couple years later, when I was 15, the Lord called me to ministry, and that was at Word of Life Camp. Any of you ever go to Word of Life Camp? No, you didn't. Oh, well, it was, it was great, yeah. So <laughs> we did, oh, okay, somebody in the back did, yeah. We were involved with Youth for Christ there, too. How much involvement with Youth for Christ is there here? Some of you involved with Youth for Christ? Great organization, yeah, here in the city. We were working with them, too. God was just doing great things. So then, from my high school years and my good start, really, as a Christian, uh, went to Muskingum College, which is in southern Ohio. And um, after a couple months, met up with Tom and Neil and Bruce, and we started this Bible study in the dorm because there wasn't a whole lot going on there at campus. We started this Bible study in the dorm, and pretty soon some other guys started to come, the room was full, and then the girls were complaining because they couldn't come to the boys' dorm to join the Bible study. So we went to the student union and there was a uh, kind of a chapel upstairs, and so in that chapel we got together and we met every day, and um, it, was, it was great. It, it really was a, a wonderful time there at school. Um, and we were the Jesus freaks. Yeah, so we were part of the Jesus Revolution, though we didn't even really know it at the time. So after that, I got drafted into the Army, and uh, I was in New Mexico. Barb was there with us, our two little babies. First day that we're there, in, or the first weekend we're there, um, we're going into the town nearby, Las Cruces, and there's a sign beside the road that says, Jesus people meet here. So we weren't there three days, and we were already involved in what God was doing on the base and in a ministry, a prayer ministry. We had a wonderful ministry in the jail. God was just really working there. It was great for the couple of years we were there. Back to Muskingum College, and since I was married then and out of school, we were doing campus ministry. We kind of had like a church on campus. And then um, I was asked to go to Pittsburgh uh, and invited to be part of the leadership team in a church there that was growing and really coming along. God was doing great things. It was kind of the middle of the uh, charismatic movement at that time. Some of you may remember what that was like. And while there, I got to attend uh, Carnegie Mellon University and got a master's degree in chemistry. So for most of my life, my day job has been research. And so I loved chemical research, but my heart has always been in ministry, 
Yeah, it's always been for God. Started out that way, stayed that way. So while I was there, I went through ministry training, and it was good ministry training to prepare me to go out and to pastor. The church sent us to Berea. This was in the 80s. Sent us to Berea to plant a church, and my launch team consisted of six people. Myself, my wife, and my four children. <laughs> it was a very slow start. <laughs> but we prayed and then God answered and pretty soon people started coming and after a couple of years, it was a going concern. It was fun, it was great. We were able to balance everything and keep everything going. By year eight, things were getting a little busy. Okay? I was working in the lab at Glidden in Strongsville. Barb was teaching in a Christian school where our four kids went. Both girls got married in that same summer. And my wife made both wedding dresses. I was preaching every week and teaching two classes and trying to pastor a church that was growing to over 100. To make matters worse, we had doctrinal, doctrinal issues had arisen with the movement that we were in and it wasn't going well. Eventually things came to a head. We made a clean break with both the church we'd planted and the movement we were in. We were exhausted. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We found a good church in the area, that wasn't the problem. But I knew that I had to take a year off of ministry because we were so exhausted. We just had to heal and we had to rest. We had to get our lives kind of recentered again. It was a good place, but I was scared. I was scared. Would Jesus be enough? So much of my life had been wrapped up in ministry activity and so much of my identity was wrapped up in being a pastor. Was Jesus enough? Was just coming to church and worshiping and not knowing anybody there, but just having him? It didn't take long. After a couple of weeks of prayer, waiting on God, I had a lot more time now on my hands, and I spent it seeking his face. He was not only enough, he was all I really needed. He was all I really wanted. That was the start of a journey for me into the very heart of God. And it's a journey that God is inviting every single one of us into. The invitation. <laughs> uh, several places we could go. I'm going to start in Matthew. Chapter 12. Uh, Pastor Rich used this passage not too long ago when he was preaching. Matthew 11, 28, 29, 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Doesn't that sound good? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. 
from my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to speak just for a minute. Mainly I'm, this morning I'm speaking to those of you who are Christ followers, but I want to speak to a moment, this moment just briefly to those of you who are not Christ followers yet. You've not made a decision for Christ. I'm just going to say three things, and I want you to consider these three statements. Number one, sin promises freedom, but inevitably it leads to slavery. Sin promises freedom, but inevitably it leads to slavery. Number two, when we stubbornly do things our own way, it eventually leads to a dead end or disaster. You just can't get around it. When we stubbornly do things our own way, it inevitably leads to a dead end or disaster. And number three, no amount of stuff, no amount of money, no amount of success is ever enough. Because our hearts were made for God and they will not rest until they rest in him. Amen? So if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, you may know about him, but you haven't made that decision, please consider these things because this invitation is to you too. It's the invitation to come to him and make that life-changing decision that that young man in the video made. Now, Matthew 11:28. the context here is the Jews of Jesus' day had a lot of religion, over 600 laws, and lots of things they could and could not do on the Sabbath and clothes they could, uh, could wear or could not wear and things like that, and they never, never seemed to be able to measure up. They were exhausted. They were exhausted. So we're invited to come to Jesus and to take on his yoke just like they were, and it's an easy yoke. See, it doesn't mean what I'm talking about this morning, please understand me, when I'm talking about seeking God and abiding in the vine and him abiding in us, I'm not talking about leaving life. I'm talking about finding Jesus in a new way in my life as I live my life, taking his yoke upon me, which is an easy yoke, and setting aside self-effort, which is a hard yoke. And so I'd ask you this morning, what is your experience like in following God? Are you exhausted this morning? We, that happens to us in many times in our spiritual life, like it did to me. Are you at one of those points where you're exhausted? If you are, listen to your heart. God gives us our heart for a reason. We can listen with, you know, we can think with our brain, we can think with our heart, left brain, right brain kind of stuff. But listen to your heart. If you're exhausted, God's trying to tell you something. Your heart's trying to tell you something. You need to come. You need to come to him. So this is the invitation. Come if you're weary. Come to me, Jesus said. The second passage I'd like to read in reference to this is out of John, and it's in John 7, 37 and 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you're thirsty, come. See, again and again in scriptures, God's inviting us to come. He invites us. If anybody could force us, it would be him. He doesn't do it. 
It's always an invitation. Why doesn't he force us? It's the best thing that we could do. He knows it's the best thing for us to come to him. Why doesn't he force us? Because you can't force someone to love you. And what God wants more than anything else is our love. He wants us to know know him and be known by him. To have a relationship where there's nothing hidden in here. And all of our lives, all of our lives are shared with him. We have to come freely. It's the only way it works. So he invites us. And we get a little closer. And he invites us again. And we get a little closer. That's how it goes. Then our key scripture for the morning, I'll just go back to it and read this uh, one verse out of John 15, verse 4. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So I couldn't resist. I included a picture of my grapes. There they are. Isn't that something? Sitting in my backyard. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming. They're a little green and hard now, but they're coming. And that's the way it is in our relationship with God. There's a lot of foliage there. But if you look closely, you can see the grapes. And if you look real close, you can see the vine down there toward the bottom. But these are my grapes. And come September, they'll be ripening. And that vine that I planted will be bearing fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. Every single one of us. But it won't happen unless we learn to abide in him. And it does not happen overnight any more than the fruit on this vine. This vine was just a bare stalk in March. And then there was little brooms that come, just a single stalk with two little branches. And then little sprouts kind of appear and then it just explodes with growth. And pretty soon you pull away the leaves and and there's grapes here and there's grapes there and that's how it is in our lives. God invites us, invites us to come. And if we do abide in him, if we come, we will bear fruit. It's a life-giving, 24-7 relationship with him. And he promises we'll bear fruit. Imagine if everyone's spiritual life were that fruitful, what this church would be like and what the impact on North End, Ormstead, and surrounding communities would be like. Amen? So, practically speaking, what does abiding in Christ look like? Three passages, just quickly. Um, In Luke 5, yeah, Luke, here we go. Luke 5, 15 and 16. But now, um, yeah, right. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Of course, this is talking about Jesus. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. But Jesus, your life is so busy right now and there's so much that's going on. Wouldn't two more hours of sleep be more beneficial? No. 
more than anything else, as soon as it was light and even before it was light, I can imagine Jesus getting up, wandering out of the house and the disciples roll over, there he goes again. And Jesus is going out and for two or three hours, he's out there praying just him and the Father. Found a desolate spot somewhere to spend time with his Father. Uninterrupted time. Solitude and silence. Key elements to abiding in Christ. As busy as our lives are, if there isn't solitude and silence somewhere there, how are we going to hear God speaking to us? So Jesus was just like us in the human side. He was human and divine. Don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. But on the human side of him, his heart just longed to be with his father. He loved to be with his father. He wasn't just some kind of robot going about, you know, his ministry, just totally like run by the Holy Spirit or whatever, and, and trying to understand what it's like to be human and divine. I'm not going to try to sort that whole thing out this morning. But what I do know is he was tempted in every way like you and me, and he had, need, he had a need to be in the father's presence the same way you and I do. And he loved that time that he spent with his father. Do I need anything less? Solitude and silence. That's one of the practical things we can do. Make space for that somewhere in our lives. Pretty soon, there'll be something you enjoy. Because just like Jesus, you'll just get there in the presence of the Father. And what did Jesus do when he was in the presence of the Father? I'm sure he was just talking with the Lord about, God, there were so many that came to be healed yesterday. And Lord, it was just so wonderful when I broke that bread and the Holy Spirit flowed through me and power went out of his body to heal people. And he multiplied one loaf and fed 5,000 people. And God, that was just so beautiful. Your ways are so good. And Lord, what do you want me to do today? And where am I supposed to go? And which towns am I supposed to visit next? Beautiful. Second, the next one is, um, I'm not even going to turn to it, it's so short. Prayer without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. One of the shortest Bibles and verses in the Bible, and one that's probably a little bit tough to kind of get your hands around. But let me, um, let me kind of explain it this way, as I see it, okay? Um, I mean, we can't, we can't just pray all the time in a way that I'm talking this morning to you, okay? To me, it's more like um, the day that Barb and I spent a couple weeks ago when we went down to Amish country. And the nice thing about this day, even though we spend a lot of time together now that I'm retired, I was never more than this far from her. Okay, so we're driving down in the car, and some of the time when the traffic was pretty easy, we're talking about some pretty heavy family things, okay? and have a pretty, pretty tense conversation there. And then as we're going down a little further, I'm getting involved in some traffic as we're going through Akron and Canton. And um, I'm just focusing on the traffic. See, when praying without ceasing doesn't mean that I'm constantly talking with God, but it does mean he's right here. You understand? Okay. And then even going through traffic, there was a lane change, and Barb said, now, Gary, it looks like you're going to have to get over to the left. So, oh, boy, thank you for the help, you know. And so even sometimes when we're focused, if God's here, he'll speak to us, even if we're focused. 
okay? And we have to focus during our life, but how much of our life are we just thinking about other things and focusing on other things when we could be focusing on him? See? And then we get to Dare Dutchman. Roasted chicken, <laughs> cherry pie, <laughs> sitting across the table from my sweetie, my high school sweetheart, fresh peach pie, <laughs> a la mode. <laughs> That's what praying without ceasing should be like. I mean, and we really can get there, folks, where we, where we can make progress moving toward that. I'll say that, okay? One more here. Um, and this is in the Psalms. Where are we here? Clear back. And I'm sure you know this. Um, just three verses in, is in Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Hmm. He's like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in its season. Notice the connection to John 15. The one who meditates on the law bears fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. Beautiful verse. Eastern meditation uh, focuses on emptying our hearts, emptying our minds, going to kind of a blank whatever. In Christianity, meditation is all about filling our minds. It's taking that word we read in the, mo in the morning and just kind of mulling over it. Just like Elsie the cow, you know, when she's chewing her cud. She's sitting there in the pasture. She's got that smile on her face and she's just chewing. She ate the grass in the morning and now she's kind of chewing her cud. And why does she do that? Because it breaks it down finer and finer until she gets every little bit of nutrient out of it. Mmm, yeah, it's good. Mm. I love to meditate on Psalms uh, 23, particularly when if I'm in bed at night and my, my mind's going and things like that, I just stop and say, okay, now wait a second. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's so beautiful. Jesus, you really are. I lack nothing. So what am I worrying about? And just take a phrase at a time and just meditate on God's words. It just completely changes your attitude and the situation that you're in. It's beautiful. We're always thinking about something, so why not be thinking about God's word? Why be worrying about this and worrying about that? Pray about the election, go vote, and then get on with your life, right? Otherwise, you could really get occupied on so much that's going on. So listen to the news and then pray and then get on with it, right? Okay, good. So, I'm going to make an invitation of my own here. And um, beginning in September, where is it? There we go. Um, beginning September 10th, during the 915 service, I will be teaching a class called Abiding in Christ, Finding the Heart's True Home. I borrowed that byline from Richard Foster, he won't mind. Because <laughs> uh, I'll be promoting his book, of course. But abiding in Christ, finding the heart's true home. So what are we going to do in this class is talk about the three 
practical steps I just talked about there in greater depth. We'll talk in the class about what we just experienced the last week. We have homework every week, so we'll be applying it in your life, taking time of solitude, taking time to meditate on God's word, taking time to change your prayer life and move things around. Then we'll come back and talk about it. How did it work? How did it work in your life? How did it work in your life? Because there is no such thing as one single way to live the Christian life and to abide in Christ. It's tailor-made for your life and my life for where I'm living right now, okay? So as the worship team gets ready and comes up here and I see Pastor Jason coming, I love Pastor Jason, isn't he great? His heart for worship, ah, great, I love it. So much fun singing in the choir too, we had great fun. So as he's coming up, I'd like to remind you that the altar is open. It's always open. Is there any reason you need to come up and touch God this morning? Any reason you need to come up and do some business with him? Maybe you're one of those people who hasn't made a decision yet for Christ and you've decided, okay, today's the day to do it. Won't you come? 